At this time in our service, we give our attention to God's word, to having it read to us and preaching from it. Joe will come and read the scriptures for us this morning. Today's reading is uh, taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 28. I'll start from verse 16. It's page 542 in the Bibles. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And when Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay. Today is a different and unique Sunday for us. Today is a significant Sunday in the life of our church. For one, today we turn three years old as a church. Today is our birthday as a church plant. Three years ago in September, we launched our first public service, and God has been gracious to us and kind to us and good to us and generous in ways that we have never deserved in preserving us for these three years. And so we get to celebrate that today as a community. I cannot think of a better way in which for us to celebrate that than what we get to especially focus on and do today, which is to commission and send Jim and Lena and Nehemiah and Elias and Daniel and send this family as sort of our first overseas missionaries as a church community. In many ways, I feel like this is exactly what our church is about, and it is very fitting and in God's providence and will that he would allow us to celebrate our third birthday in getting to do this, in getting to remember again and see again we exist for Jesus and his gospel, Jesus and his community, and Jesus and his mission. Gospel community mission, that's what we're about, that's why we exist, that's why the church was planted, and so three years later it is a joy to see Jesus and his gospel find its way into the hearts and lives of men and women, that gospel wrap us into tight, deep relationships in Jesus' community, and that gospel send us out even to the ends of the earth on Jesus' mission. So what we're going to do today is my prayer for both of you, especially throughout this whole week, is that today would be a day of great encouragement, that you would know that you are deeply loved, that you would know that there is a community that deeply loves you and will be praying for you as we send you this day. In many ways, like much of Christian life, today is a day of great joy and celebration and a day of great sorrow as well as we send this couple and their family that we love dearly for the sake of Jesus and his mission. So what we're going to do in order to encourage them this day is I'm going to have a few different people come and just share with them the grace that they have received in their life through Jim and Lena and their family. As we do that, we're not trying to make much of them. What we're trying to do is make much of God and celebrate the grace and the blessings that we have received through their lives, that it might be an encouragement to their heart as they get ready to go. Before I invite these folks, what I want to do is just simply set our time together and frame it with God's word. I want to just share just a few minutes on God's word in order to frame what we're doing here. When we talk about Jesus' mission, I want us to hear that what we're doing today is not something that we're inventing. 
Rather, we're getting swept up into something that God has been doing from the beginning. Mission isn't even something that happened after Jesus or in the New Testament. God has been a missionary God from the beginning of the scriptures. From as soon as you open the Bible, you're going to see God has always been sending his people out in order that he might bless others. That's what God's been doing from the beginning. So, for example, if you open your Bible to Genesis and the very first pages, you're going to find that God calls a man named Abraham. When he calls Abraham in chapter 12, it says, Abraham, you're to go out from your country, out from your kindred, out from your father's house, and you're to go. And then he promises Abraham, I'm going to bless you and make your name great. And we know that God kept his promise because we're still talking about Abraham today. He says, I'm going to make your name great, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless all the families of the earth through you. And, that, and there you begin to already see God's heart, which is God's heart is to bless all the families of the earth. He's going to bless all peoples. And so in order to bless all peoples, he's going to bless this family. And what he says is, in order to bless the families of the earth, here's what I need you to do, Abraham. You've got to go. And so Abraham has to leave his country and leave his father's house and leave his kindred in order that in his going, God might bless all the families of the earth. From the beginning, God has intended to bless many, but that has always meant, hear me, that has always meant that people will have to leave. God has intended to bless the ends of the earth, but that has always meant people will have to leave. And so he tells Abraham, pack the U-Haul, say goodbye to your father, and go. You read one book later, and there's this man named Moses. God's children are now slaves in Egypt. And we think of how fitting that is in light of Jim and Lena and their family going to Bombay Teen Challenge to fight for freedom, to fight against human trafficking. In Exodus, you find that these people are captive in slavery. And yet God's heart and desire is to set them free, to set beautiful free. That's what he's been doing from the beginning. And so he calls this man named Moses, and he says, you're going to go, and I'm going to work through you, and the most powerful nation on earth is going to be brought to their knees, and all those captives are going to be set free. But in order for that to happen, Moses has to go. He has to leave this place that had become his home for 40 years. He's got to kiss his father-in-law goodbye. He's got to say goodbye to that which he knew, and he's got to go for the sake of God's mission. As you keep reading through the scriptures, you find that over and over again, right? In the Old Testament, you read the story of the man named Jonah, and it's the same thing. I'm going to bless that city, that undeserving, wicked city that my wrath should fall upon, yet I've determined that my grace should go there, so I need you to go. And Jonah runs as fast as he can in the opposite direction, and yet God will not have it. God calls him to mission. From the beginning, God is intended to bless the families of the earth, but that has always meant that people will have to leave, right? You get to the New Testament and you find the missionary of all missionaries, Jesus Christ, which is the expression of the mission of God. And there is no one who left the comforts of heaven like Jesus left it for us. No one who said goodbye to a father like Jesus said goodbye to his father for us. And he came from heaven to earth and took on our sins so that he might accomplish this mission of God, so that through him and through his leaving, all the families of the earth might be blessed. And when Jesus had died and risen again and accomplished his father's mission, he tells his disciples, as the father sent me, so now I send you. 
and he breathes on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, and he sends them on this mission that they too might participate in what God has been doing. And so he says to them what Joe read to you a few minutes ago, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and I'm with you to the end of the age. And these disciples do that. The reason you and I sit in churches and know the gospel is because these disciples went on God's mission, said goodbye to their homes, and went to the ends of the earth for Jesus and his gospel's sake. Let me tell you one more. One more disciple like us who inherited this mission like us was a man named Paul. And in Acts 20, Paul had been a part of a church plant for three years, much like this moment. He had planted a new church called the church at Ephesus. He had spent three years there, more than he had been consistent at any other place. He loved these people, formed a deep relationship with these people, had them close to his heart. And yet at the end of three years, God calls Paul to leave for the sake of the mission. And Paul begins to tell them that he's going to leave. And then I want to read you just one verse from Acts 20. Hear, hear what this scene looks like. In Acts 20, it says this, And when Paul had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word that he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. After we had torn ourselves away from them, Paul says, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. So here's the scene. Paul had been swept up into this mission that God had been doing from the beginning. And the scene is he tells this church plant that God has set him apart for the sake of the mission. He spent three years of his life there, built deep friendships there, and now he's got to go. And the scene is the church gathers around Paul and they just begin to weep. They know the joy of this mission. They know the purpose for which they've got to let Paul go. But it's with sorrow in their hearts that they send him off. And they weep and they fall down on him and they kiss him and they pray for him and they walk him to the ship. And it's not easy on Paul's part. Paul says, after we had torn ourselves away from them, it's not just after we had left them, you had to rip us away from that church. But that's what Paul says he did. I ripped myself. After I tore myself away from them, I set sail to Kos. And that's much of what we are doing today. Today we send a family that we love dearly. And we're going to accompany them. Many of us will accompany them all the way to the airport, like Paul's seaport. And we will say goodbye with great sorrow in our hearts. But we do this all because Jesus, from the beginning, has, blessing, has been blessing the families of the earth. But that has always meant that his people will need to leave. Let me say one last word about that, and then I'll invite these folks to come. With every single one of these people, when God sends them, he always sends them with this same promise every single time, which is, you're not going alone. I am going with you. It's not a promise he says all the time, but they need to hear that. I mean, when you're leaving everything that you know, you need to hear God say, I'm going to be with you. When he says to Abraham, go, what does he say? Go, leave your father, your country, your kindred, and go to the land that I will show you. Because as you go and no one else goes with you, I'm going with you and I'm going to show you where you're going to be. When he tells Moses, go, kiss your father in good law, goodbye, say goodbye to the place you've known for 40 years, he says to him, go 
and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you are to say. And God's promise to Moses is, as you go, I will be with you. When Jonah goes, Jonah tries to run from the Lord, and God chases him. It's like Psalm 139 says, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I sail to the farthest ends of the sea, even there your right hand is with me. There's nowhere Jonah can go that God does not go with him. And God's promise to the disciples, to Paul and to us as we go on his mission is what? Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And then what does Jesus say? And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's his promise to all those whom he has ever sent. That's his promise to Jim, Lena, to Nehemiah, to Elias, and to Daniel on this day. So we want to remember that as they go and as we stay, God goes with them. God stays with us. God is with us all as we embrace and embark on his mission. All right, I'm going to invite some of these folks to come, and then afterwards we'll pray together for them as a church. Winston's going to start, and then a few of them will share. And again, be encouraged for both of you to remember and hear how God has used your life. And all of us as we hear, let this be used to make much of God and the grace that he extends to us, even through imperfect people. morning. Uh, it is indeed uh, <clears throat> a great day uh, as we're here uh, to celebrate mission. Uh, and, uh, you know, as Ajay had mentioned, what a, uh, what a glorious day uh, to one, even for the anniversary of our church, and then also to, uh, to go out and uh, to celebrate with and Jim and Lena and the boys' uh, mission itself. And uh, for myself, just to celebrate uh, the gospel um, I think in, in watching Jim and Lena in these last 10 years of their marriage, it has been um, their growth in the gospel. Uh, you know, if, if the gospel was just a, a little bit true, you can, you can have people go out and in their flesh maybe do something good for a week. If the gospel was, you know, partly true, you know, you have people go out for a short, you know, a month, do, uh, do their good works, hand in, you know, uh, thank God, and, uh, and come back to their comfort zone. But in watching their growth in these last 10 years, if the, gos the gospel has become fully true in them, and, um, you know, it's nothing but to scream out, Love so amazing, love so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And, uh, you know, they've reached that point where they've seen it. And uh, for me, uh, to see my sister go out uh, like this uh, is absolutely amazing because she's been talking about this, uh, I think, as far as I can remember. Uh, you know, and, and to have this come true uh, for her uh, really for myself uh, as well, um, just to know that God has been so awesome, has sovereignly guided them through these last years. And you talk about 
Stones of Remembrance. Uh, they have three little boys that they hold as uh, those stones. And, uh, you know, uh, you have to wonder, how could God bring this team together? Uh, for those of you who know Jim and Lena, they are the silliest and the goofiest people that you will ever meet. Uh, and uh, you have to wonder, you know, who better than to send in a dark and sad place than uh, a, a family that loves Jesus and from that joy comes the silliness and goofy behavior that we all know and come to love. Uh, you know, and, and they get to be part of uh, his team, which I'm so excited about. Uh, just uh, this last few uh, months, I was, uh, uh, you know, I came to hear about this one story, and just uh, back in the 90s, uh, there was this one pl player that was drafted for the Chicago Bulls, and uh, his basketball career was very short. He was terrible. But when you ask him what was his greatest memory, you know, <clears throat> and he says, uh, the night that me and Jordan scored 70 points, and uh, this guy's and Jordan that night happened to score 69 points. But that was his greatest memory, um, his greatest memory. And uh, knowing Jim and Lena, I know they wouldn't even accept that one point. But uh, they know who the all-star is on their team. And uh, uh, we and I am encouraged knowing that it is, in fact, the King of Kings leading that team. And uh, so excited and uh, just, again, uh, to fill me up to knowing that the gospel is indeed so true and so great that anything short of this would minimize the gospel. And for them, uh, I just, uh, you know, are, are, are we continue to keep them in prayer, excited to hear about the stories that uh, God will open up, and uh, uh, just, just jealous for the kids in India. told myself I'd go up here and not cry. Winston, you didn't do it, but now I'm doing it. <laughs> Lena, our lives have taken us in so many different directions. <laughs> Since we first became fr best friends in junior high and high school, <laughs> I went from spending every moment together to speaking every few months, then on to speaking every several months in college. But yet our friendship has remained a lasting bond that keeps us from drifting too far apart. Helene, you have known me when I was unsure of who I was. We talked, we laughed, we cried, we even prayed together. I even used to be an honorary family member that would tag along for all the great adventure trips, picnics, and parties. Lean, you knew me when I wasn't even sure of what it meant to be a true believer. Lean, Jim, and myself were from New York. And who would have thought our lives would have crossed again in Philadelphia, of all places? 
God even placed us in the same apartment complex, then a few blocks away from each other when we both bought homes. And then we went on to find Seven Mile as our church family. None of this is by coincidence. It was all part of God's grand design. I mean, ever since I can remember, you have always been soft-spoken, yet your voice for Christ and was and will continue to be very loud. You made it known that you loved Jesus. I always admired your love for Christ, especially through prayer. God designed our friendship to have seasons, and I would have not written our journey as friends any differently. In this season, you were able to do all, we were able to do all the things we did in the past, but with our spouses and our children too. What is most special is that we have finally found our identity in Christ. We believe that with him we can accomplish anything, and without him we are nothing. You have been a true and dear friend. I will miss those daily calls to check in, our spontaneous meetings at the park, and most of all, the many times I've been stressed and you have calmed me down to see things clearly. <laughs> you have always been there for me during this season of my life. Thank you for who you are. You are a blessing to my life in more ways than I can express. Jim, I have only known you for a short time, but I can say it, you have such a loving heart for those around you, especially those in need. <laughs> you have a gift for seeing the world from your own special perspective and can find humor in almost anything. God will use your quiet, calm nature to go out and do his wonderful works, and I will never forget those brown shoes, <laughs> the shoes that rocks Jim's style. <laughs> To the boys, it has been a blessing to see Nehemiah, Corinne, Elias, Cyrus, and Daniel play together. Knowing them since they have been born have been a joy. One example is just to see how Nehemiah lights up the room. Seeing Corinne walk into the room is truly special and warms my heart. I pray that all our children, although far away, may still continue to grow up knowing and loving Christ while staying in touch so that they too can have a special relationship like we have that lasts a lifetime. <laughs> Jim and Lean, your joyous love of life and of Christ is contagious. May we learn by your example, do as God has called you and serve. As in Luke 10 verse 2 says, the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. I'm sorry, into his harvest. You have both prayed, and now it's time to be sent off to Bombay and be laborers of God's harvest. May you do amazing things over in Bombay. As in Philippians 2, verse 13 says, for it is good, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. May it be in your lifetime that all the horrific things that go on within those streets of the red light district be no more. And may you truly set the beautiful free. A small chunk of my heart is going to be missing when you leave. We love you guys. I, I was, um, <coughs> 
very glad about a couple weeks ago when a Jay emailed me to ask if I could speak about Jim, and I felt honored, and I was very glad to finally have a public platform to speak of my love and appreciation for this man. So I'm just going to share a few uh, memories and just a little bit of our background and how we met, too. So Jim and I worked together at, at Cairn University. Uh, I work in the admissions department along with Benu Abraham, and Jim is a business professor there. So I was introduced to Jim through Benu, and as Benu often does, he suggested that we get together for lunch. And my initial reaction was, you know, sure, like somebody new in the university, but I didn't anticipate anything more, maybe a little bit formal gathering, kind of a little more just, you know, maybe nothing, not so special. But I can tell you this, that initial meeting with Jim uh, was one of the most memorable events of my life. So um, accepting that invitation um, was certainly has changed me in many ways. Um, and I think many of you that know Jim, the first time you encounter him, it, it, he's almost like a magical type of guy. So his wit, his conversation skills um, are just uh, very impressive, and they kind of leave you wanting more. So um, He's also one of the most unpretentious and genuine people, too, that I think I've ever met. And I think that's what makes it so special, too, is how early on and how... Uh, soon after meeting and we became close friends and, and really you get a sense of how much Jim just cares and wanted to be with you. And uh, I really valued that. So one thing I will tell you about these lunches though is uh, they turned into something very special on campus. So it was originally just the three of us and then we added a fourth and then we added a fifth and then soon other, other people on the campus wanted to join us too. Um, and I think that really Jim's presence was the driving force behind all of that 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 kind of magic wanted to be shared too, and I think people saw that, and it was really neat to see that. Um, and the conversations, they, they ranged from profound to you know funny, so uh, those were just wonderful times we had spending together. And I always remember uh, just, you know, we worked on the, the first floor and Jim on the second floor, so we would gather in the hallway and uh, we would just wait, and there'd be a kind of a group of guys. And I remember that question that really was on everybody's mind, and we asked that, is Jim going? And we'd kind of sit and wait, and you'd wait for those double doors to pop open, and, and there he is. So, uh, I, One of the, the fondest memories I have of Jim is as we got to know each other at our time at, at the university, uh, you know, first together with Binu, and then he and I uh, you know, grew in our friendship, too, is that um, uh, if Binu and I had an opportunity, if we had a quick break, we could visit him in his office, and we'd go up, and we would just chat for a bit. And uh, I remember after one of those times on the way out, uh, Binu had known him longer than I had, so I was still getting to know him. On the way out of the door, Jim turned to us, and we kind of paused for a moment, and he said, I love you guys. And I was, I was caught off guard a little bit and kind of went, yeah, thank you, you know. And then kind of there was a little bit of silence, and then he said, I really love you guys. And we said, we love you too, Jim, and, and we left. But I, I, when I think of him, I'll think of that, and I think the great part is he really meant it. And, and the feelings were shared. So I thought that was just a, a fun thing that I wanted to share with you. Um, one of the things, too, that it was obvious early on was, was Jim's passion for God, for Bombay Teen Challenge, and his commitment to that mission and to spreading the gospel in that very special way that he's planning to do with Lena and, and the family. And um, what was so interesting about it is it's just kind of a part of him. I don't think there's anything that is that seemed like it just was something he chose to do. It was a part of the conversation for years. What he's planning to do is just kind of an outpouring and extension of what he's 
of, of who he is. Um, and I think that's really Im impressed me in so many ways. And w when I think about the way that Jim has really challenged me to consider my relationship with Jesus, um, is I asked myself, you know, what would I be willing to give up to follow Jesus? What have I given up? And to think of through just Jim and the impact and the, the decision he's made to follow God in this amazing way is I, you know, I, I daydream sometimes and ask myself, what would it be like if God asked me to give up a car, two cars, a house? What, what would that feel like? What would that look like? And what about a career and all these things? And when I think about that, I, I really, I think, I just think of Jim and he's just doing it. And I've never, in the times we've talked and it's never with a sense of what he's losing, but what he's gaining. And I think that's one of the most impressionable things he's left on me, so. Praise God. I don't, um, I don't even know where to begin with Jim. As you all know, Jim is one of the uh, simplest and yet most complex individuals I think I've ever met in my life. Uh, I still have not figured out Jim completely. Uh, we've, I've had the privilege, our family, to work with them over the last few years on a number of these BTC fundraising events. And, um, you know, to, to be in the work that he is in takes such great faith and such great passion and such great commitment. And yet, literally on the day of the New York event, he called me as I was driving into the parking lot saying we should cancel the event because nobody's going to come. <laughs> and after six months of planning, I said, Jim, we're not going to cancel the event. We're going to have this event. Uh, multiple events later, $140,000 later, God is doing a good work. And it's just amazing to see what God is doing. And, um, you know, when we start, when we, God was working even before we originally met. So we were uh, praying as a family and as a ministry back in 2006 about, uh, you know, where does God want us to start to focus our time and energy? And our leadership team came and said, hey, we should start to think about uh, human trafficking and uh, sex slavery and all these things. And I'll be completely honest, at that point in time, I didn't even know this was an issue. And you can call me ignorant, because uh, I was ignorant. I, I didn't even know this was a problem. And we began to pray, and we began to seek the Lord's face. And as I learned more about the issue, I actually became completely overwhelmed and paralyzed, thinking that there is nothing we could ever actually do uh, to combat this. But God had a plan. And it was amazing to see the way God was working, and God brought us to Seven Mile Road, and God allowed us to meet Jim. And I always tell the story, I remember meeting Jim and, and you know, kind of assessing him and thought, wow, this is great that a man that just came from India has so much passion for the Lord uh, and to go back to India because of the way he was dressed. And then I learned that, you know, he actually was born and brought up in the United States of America. Uh, again, that's when that complexity of, you know, personality and nature began to, you know, it really actually made me more curious about who this individual was. And so we began to pray and we began to talk and, and we decided and God led us to start these events and it's just been amazing to see what God's been doing. And I am just so encouraged by their family. Our family is encouraged by their family and what uh, they're going to be doing in India. And um, I just want to read a, a verse from James chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. 
For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and, perse and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Jim is not a man that just talks about the gospel and talks about his faith. And that's what's been such an encouragement uh, to me and to our church, uh, to see their family, Jim and Lena and the family, not just be hearers of the word, but doers that are putting their hand to the plow and doing a good work. And they're going to India to go on mission um, is such a challenge to us. And if I pray and think about God, you know, um, you know, how many of us can go to India? Probably not many of us. Uh, many of us may not be called to go to India, but uh, to be on mission is our call right here in the United States. And so as we pray for Jim and the family to be on mission and to do an awesome work, um, we are also praying that we can be doing a good work here, not just to be hearers, but to be doers. Um, and so Jim, Lena, and family, we're going to be keeping you in, in prayer. We're going to continue to work with you. Um, we're going to continue to support you, and we're just so excited about what God is doing. Um, just to end on a, a note, uh, as Winston said, we've seen uh, Jim and family, uh, Jim in particular, you know, all, and family grow in their faith. I've also seen Jim grow also in his fashion sense, uh, which I've been very encouraged about. Um, when we were in Boston, we had this event, and um, it was great. He was dressed uh, suit and tie. It was just perfect. His wife pointed out the suit was a couple sizes big. I didn't even notice that. I thought it was perfect. I, I just thought in classic gym fashion, I later realized that he forgot his dress socks. And so, you know, we found some socks for him. But by the Chicago event, suit was perfect. Sock, men's socks were worn. It was, it was, uh, it was awesome. Um, so I just praise God for, for Jim, and this is just one story of many of how he has blessed us here at Seven Mile Road Church, and I praise God for what he's going to be doing in India. Good morning. Uh, we first met Jim and Lena in 2009 after our second trip to work with Bombay Teen Challenge in India. Um, we had heard about Jim and his heart from Reverend Devraj, who was the overseer of that ministry, um, and he just spoke great things about him. So when we met him, it just all came together, and we felt like, wow, we need to really connect with this family. This seems like it's going to be really great. Um, at that point, we were living in New York, and we had no idea that we would be relocating to Philadelphia in a couple years. So over time, um, it became apparent that we were going to be coming here. We reconnected with Jim and Lena, visited them in their home, and... They totally embraced us, made us feel so welcome, and actually began to help us become established in Philadelphia. Um, they introduced us to many of you, and now we're here, <laughs> integrated into their community, which at one point Jim had said to us, um, I know you're going to be looking for a church, and I just want you to know I'd love to be in community with you. <laughs> so we had no idea that we would end up here, but we're so glad that we did. And that, um, you know, throughout those seasons of us really getting to know them, we really felt like we've been lifelong friends. Like, this didn't just start. Like, we're really connected. Um, as we continued to get to know them, we realized that we shared um, the same heart for Bombay Teen Challenge and for um, the work in India. And 
just knowing that we came from where we came from in New York and found this couple and this church body that shared such a similar heart and vision was just really amazing and surprising, but it's God. So <laughs> um, in February, we were planning a trip here, seven mile road to go to India and Kashi was definitely going, but I was kind of praying about whether or not I should go. And a conversation that I had with Lena actually pushed me from maybe to definitely, yes, let me go. That was before I realized that I was pregnant with Sion, our first child. Um, Lena spoke into my heart and she really looked at me and said, Jamie, just go, go. You're thinking about going, you need to go. Take advantage of this time and this season. And I did, I kind of just heard her and was like, yes, okay, I'm gonna do this. Um, and then finding out, we're gonna have a baby, again, more doubt comes in your mind, but Lena has done that before. She's traveled pregnant, she's done it, she's been successful. So she was a great example to me, and I would constantly remind myself, this has been done before, Lena's my role model. And we would, as a couple who's very interested in missions, we look at them as role models, and as that example um, for future missions and whatever the Lord will call us to, That. It's been done, and we are so looking forward to see how the Lord is going to use your entire family in this mission. And we'll see you in India. This is still the, only the beginning of our friendship. I just want to uh, take this time to just, you know, share a few words of encouragement. Um, glad that Jamie did the, the harder part for me because I'm not a great speaker. I just babble on and on. So now I can just be more direct. Um, you know, the, 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 I just want to share this part of the word of God. It says, faithful is he who has called you, and he will do it. And I, I know that there's, there's going to be a lot of you know, uncertainties. You're going to a field of the unknown and areas that will bring questions. And all of us have questions and worries. And what's going to happen to the kids? Or what's going to be their friends like? What's their education like? They're leaving all this thing here, going over there. And what about our finances? What are we going to do? What about our work? What's you know, all these unknowns that run through our minds. And I just want to encourage you that God is with you. He's called you, and he's faithful, and he will do it. Yes, there'll be challenges. There'll be times of difficulty. But even when you don't feel him, just know that he is with you. And that he who has called you, he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. And yes, we're all going to be with you in prayer and, and supporting you. And as Jamie said, we'll definitely see you in India. And I just want to encourage you with this words: that do not forget that. He said, Lord, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Uh, so when Ajay had sent that email about sharing about both Jim and Lena and the kids, you know, I had a doubt of, like, replying back to Ajay. Ajay, is it possible to do a roast up here? Because it would be, uh, I'm sure everybody in this church would have ample time to make fun about something that they've had an interaction and experience with Jim and Lena, uh, a comment, a moment, um, you know. The shoes, uh, not wearing socks, uh, ghost peppers, milk, all of these things. I'm sure everybody would have, everybody knows some of these stories, but to be actually just share a laugh together would have been incredible. But um, I'm thankful to be able to have this opportunity to share with uh, you guys about Jim and Lena, how they've uh, been a blessing not only, not only in my life, but in my family's life. Um, when, whenever me and Jim get together, uh, our, my first um, interaction was in Seven Mile Road, obviously. Um, at the time, uh, my daughter Kayla was maybe a couple of months old, I don't remember the exact age. 
Um, obviously, she had issues either with staying in Sunday school, she would, she would have an issue if she was away from her parents, she would just vomit. So at the time, I would hold on to her because I felt really embarrassed to send her off to Sunday school, so um, I would hold on to her, so I would stand in the foyer. And of course, Jim had, <laughs> had Elias at the time, and uh, I guess Elias wasn't the biggest cooperator as well, so we both actually sat up there and had our first interaction with one another. And I, I kid you not, the the amount of welcome, the amount of warmth that Jim had expressed that day, I, I'll never forget that interaction. And to me, like that's such a key moment, and I'm sure everybody has that interaction when they say they, that first interaction with Jim, but like the amount of openness, the amount of way we interacted with one another, I was like, wow, Jim is amazing, and just, talk, just talking about where he was from, what he was about, it was an incredible encouragement in my life. Um, and also, um, being a part of my life and my family's life um, from the time of Shane, Shane being born. Um, as you know, there's a meal train that goes on that happens. And uh, for those that don't know, Lena is an amazing cook, especially with Indian food. I rant and rave about how she made this amazing chicken curry that was ridiculous, which uh, I think it was a container was like yay big. She, she had brought, what was it? it was a chicken curry, it was rice, it was a limka, for those that it's like a lemonade of India or a lemon soda of India. And I didn't bother even to share with my wife or my kids. I devoured the whole container. And I tell her to this day, I was like, Lita, you have to cook this for me because it was that good. And I think that was the first meal and I devoured it within two days, which was ridiculous. Um, but the encouragement that they have left to me, so I'll share um, a couple of stories with you guys. So when um, Jim had brought the opportunity to Seven Mile to um, have the missions trip to um, India, the medical missions trip. so. Sue had approached me, like, here, Vince, um, you know, I'm thinking about doing, I've had this encouragement, Jim had approached me about this, and I'm really thinking about it. I'm like, if you have the thing in your heart, go for it. It's, it's, it's what it is. He's like, yeah, I know Jim is really encouraging me. I was like, go for it. So this is actually Sue's first interaction in going into mission. So she went to Bombay for about two weeks or so and came back. And I'll, I can share this with Jim. I don't know if Jim knows this. Um, Jim Lena knows this. Um, she came back from India. She, she New York came back, came to Philly. Her first interaction, of course, is with the kids. She hugged the kids. She looks to me and says, Vince, I have to go back. I was like, I literally have to go back. And to hear that from my wife, my, you know, this is her first missions trip. It wasn't, hey, Vince, how are you? It's like, hey, I missed you. She's like, Vince, I have to go back. And like, seeing that, seeing that in, her, in her life and seeing that in her heart was an encouragement in my life. So I wanted to thank you, but I know it's through Christ, but honestly, just having that interaction, being able to introduce that to her and having that burden in her heart, that little fire that, that, you call, that you sparked in her life and in my family's life, honestly, was an encouragement, so I want to thank you. Um, also, like I said, I, the encouragement that you've, you've been to me, Jim, is uh, when, you, when you and Binu had come over after my accident, um, you know, it was discussed how Jim loves his lunch, lunches, so... He not only came to my house, he brought the meal. Within 30 minutes, he, he interacted, he talked to me, he encouraged me. He looked at his time, he was like, Benu, it's about 25 minutes, we have to head back. <laughs> so of course they were, you know, my house is in the Northeast and he works in, uh, near Oxford Valley. So I'm sure they booked it and made it back. But the, the fact that he took time out of his work to come out and um, do that was an encouragement in my life. Um, Jim, Lena, kids, the, the the word when it came out that you were gonna go back to India, um, obviously it's heartbreaking for everybody. I know everybody has shared the fact that you know it's gonna be hard that you're gonna be leaving, but you're, you're following Christ, which is amazing. 
So sitting down and praying with you guys, I was sitting down and praying for you, um, the, one, the one image and one story that comes to me is about Christ and P, when, uh, when, when the disciples were in the boat. And we all know the story about how disciples were in the boat and they saw Christ on the water and when Christ was walking towards the boat. And Peter asked Christ, can I come to you? He says, come. And we all know when, when Peter slowly began to walk, Peter fell. The, the impact, when I'm praying, when I'm feeling, I'm like, Christ, what does that exactly mean? It's just like, it's the steps that Jim and his family are taking. Taking, in fact, with all their faith, with their kids, taking their lives and going to a country that they're, they're, they do know about, but it's the unknown, selling everything that they have, leaving back everything that they have, and they're walking on this water with faith. And Jim, Lena, kids, I just want you to know that I'm like Peter, where I would fall if I had that opportunity. But seeing you and seeing where you're going, you guys have been an encouragement in my life and just been a testimony. And that is always in my heart. That will never leave. And I know till this day, Jim asked me, Vince, when are you going to India, man? Your, your presence and your story will always stay with me at all times, man. I will never forget your lives. Thank you for being a part of my life and my family's life. Good morning, everyone. Um, so I first met Jim and Lena about a year and a half ago when we first started coming to Seven Mile. Um, and I just remember that day, everyone was so welcoming and so friendly to us. But then, you know, I met Jim. <laughs> and uh, when you first meet someone, um, a lot of small talk goes on. You know, where are you from? What do you do? Who do you know that I might know? Um, so Jim and I started a conversation in a similar way. So I asked him what he did, and then he started telling me about BTC and the work that BTC does. He just told me, told me that he just came back from India. Um, he was working with the Hard Rock Cafe, um, working with them to help raise funds for BTC, to get uh, money to help fight against sexual slavery and human trafficking. And then you know, I was kind of embarrassed to tell him what, what I did after hearing that story. Um, so. After, after talking to Jim, I thought, this guy, this guy's really different. And uh, you know, I just need to learn more about him and, and, and the organization and the work that they do. Um, as Dennis had said, you know, prior, prior to meeting Jim, I really didn't know much about this whole situation. You know, as I, I may have been ignorant myself um, about human trafficking and sexual slavery. But it's really something that, you know, through Jim and through BTC, really made me want to try to do something more. So, so last week when Jay asked me to share a few words about Jim and Lena, I was, I was, I was happy to do so um, because in March when everyone else had the opportunity, I went on the medical mission trip in March and everyone else had the opportunity to talk about it. I had to work that day so I wasn't able to come. Um, but I really wanted to just share a few words about, about our trip and about my experiences. Um, so I've been a practicing physician for, for over 10 years and I've always wanted to do some type of medical mission work. But through training and through establishing a practice, the right opportunity really never seemed to come along um, until, you know, Jim introduced me to, to BTC and, and then the medical mission through Seven Mile Road that we were able to go on in February. I thought, wow, this would be a great way for me to use my training and serve the Lord at the same time. But as we got closer and closer to the trip, I started to have doubts about what, what could I do spiritually, medically, you know, is, is this really the right thing for me to be doing? Am, am I going to be able to help these people? What, what, what could I say to people in such a terrible situation? How could I encourage them? Um, 
But, you know, I talked with Jay, and when, you know, he really helped me out with that. And when we got there, the people that were just so happy, so friendly, so welcoming to us, um, they were just so happy that we, they, we had taken the time and the effort to come over there and just to help them. So I, I didn't always struggle with how to help people spiritually, but also medically. I'm a gastroenterologist, so, you know, I'm going to India. What am I supposed to do? I'm used to seeing patients, like, in the Philly suburbs with, like, constipation, bloating, gas, heartburn. <laughs> So the interesting thing was, when we got to India, there were so many patients who had just the same problems. And these are people half around the, halfway around the world in the streets and in the slums of Mumbai. They have the same problems as we have here. Um, but then we also saw like, really sick patients, like this one girl, this 18-year-old girl who came into the clinic Winston and I were seeing. And she could barely walk. They had, she had to be carried in. She, she was jaundiced. She had abdominal pain. She was febrile. Um, you know, she couldn't even talk, basically. And, and, you know, we had to send her straight to the hospital. She probably had acute hepatitis, probably as a result of a forced sexual exposure that she had within the last few days. So just getting back to Jim Lena, they're really two of the most unique people that I've ever met. And I personally have never met anyone more committed, selfless, or caring to a cause than Jim and Lena. They just seem to make things happen, but I've witnessed the grace of God working through them. So let me just tell you one more story in India. Um, when we were in India, Jim had made arrangements for, for two boys who had been rescued by BTC. Some of you know Raj and Sandeep. Um, their job was basically to make sure we got from point A to point B, um, make sure that none of us were kidnapped, robbed, or beaten through in, in Mumbai. Um, and one afternoon, everything in India, is, some of you know, revolves around having afternoon tea. So the guys took us to a, a tea shop. So we're sitting there having tea. With, with the guys, and with Raj and Sandeep, and all of a sudden, Raj gets a phone call, and, and he turns as white as a ghost. He gets all nervous, he's looking at his watch, and he's like, gets all nervous, he starts motioning to us, get up, get up, start moving, we gotta get going. You know, a couple of minutes, I was like, you know, Raj, what was going on there? He's like, oh, that was Jim. And all I hear him saying during the phone call, he's like, yes, Appa, yes, Appa, we're, we're gonna be doing this. And then, <laughs> now I'm thinking like something's happening, you know, something's going down. But you know, basically, Jim was calling them to check up on them to make sure that they were keeping us on schedule. It must have been like 5 or 6 in the morning here, but it was you know, in the afternoon in India. Now, the, these kids, they don't want to disappoint Jim from halfway around the world. My kids don't listen to me from halfway across the room. So, so, so I mean, it's just another sign of the respect and the gratitude that Jim has earned by devoting his life to these kids and to BTC. These boys never had a real father, but they viewed Jim as their father, and they even called him Appa, which means father. So Jim and Lena, you've shown me that it really doesn't matter what kind of work you do, what kind of job you do. Anyone can make a difference in the lives of others if you truly care enough. You gave me the chance to learn more about the, some of the horrors of the world we live in, and, but I've also seen the hope that exists through BTC and its work. I saw and experienced things that most people can only read about, imagine, see on TV or in the movies. I pray that the Lord continues to bless your family as you perform his work in India, and we hope and pray that God keeps you guys safe and grants you the courage, vision, and ability to glorify his kingdom. It's been our privilege to know you and to have your friendship. We look forward to continue to work with you, and we'll see you guys again soon in India. That was a very depressing 10 feet right there. I figure if I don't come up, this day doesn't end, and then Saturday doesn't come, and you don't actually depart. I don't think that'll work, but that just went through my mind. 
This is that wonderful moment when you're last and everyone said everything you were going to say. <laughs> so bear with me. So I'll just go with the themes. The themes would be meeting Jim for the first time. That's something you hear a lot. I remember and always remember that when Sarah and I Googled this random church in Northeast Philadelphia that met at this German church in Northeast Philadelphia that didn't put the locations of their small groups, but that's the geographic coordinates, which is another story altogether. When I rounded those stairs and I came into this room and I saw 40 Indian people staring at me, <laughs> I knew God was going to do something <laughs> in this season that we were together. I also knew Jim and I were divinely linked because the first fundraiser Sarah and I went to with Jim. Dennis walked up to me and gave me $200 and said, I need you to turn this into tens, fives, and ones. I said, of course, anybody could do that because that's what happens all the time in this world. So Sarah and I went out into the parking lot and we said, we can either go left or we can go right. And we said, let's go right. So we turned right and the first convenience store we found, we entered and said, let's just give it a shot. So I said, I have to buy something. So I take my $200 and I grab a Diet Pepsi and a bag of Doritos thinking I'll just get change in tens, fives, and ones. And of course, there's a Korean woman behind the counter. And I explain to her our plight and why I'm doing this. And she says, you know, since you're Korean, I'll do this. <laughs> if you weren't, <laughs> we'd have problems. And that's when I knew that our paths would be like this <laughs> from there on out. I, there's so much I'll miss about you guys not being here. Lena's laugh, her genuineness, her approach to life, Elias telling me he'll sacrifice of Isaac me, and you and your just approach to life. I've learned, one of the key phrases I will take away from my time with you is, it'll work out. <laughs> Planning is not your strong point. <laughs> but I have come to grasp the power of it will work out. <laughs> In fact, I'm, I was sitting there thinking, I'm fully confident that if, if we fell out of an airplane and had not a parachute in sight, you would grab my hand and just say, Nate, don't worry. It'll work out. <laughs> but our loss is definitely someone's gain. And I was sitting in our living room thinking about the, the magnitude of the gain of others through our loss. And Jay hinted at it earlier. This isn't something new. God's been sending people from these very shores for hundreds of years who have felt the call to go and penetrate the darkness in the enemy's strongholds with his power through service. Families just like yours, they've felt the burden of mission and they have left comfort and family and home and friends and familiarity. And it's never an easy thing. But when we're motivated by the love of the one who saved us and submit to his ability to work through us, there is no limit to what can happen. I was sitting there also thinking about what you're going to do specifically. And I remember it made me think of a story. A long time ago, two Moravians, for those of you who don't know, Moravians was this group of Protestant, this, this kind of collection of people that kind of birthed the first major, or one of the first major Protestant mission movements. These two Moravian men had felt a burden to reach the indentured servants of the West Indies, slaves at that time, much like you're reaching today's slaves. Those men felt such a burden to reach those people that they sold themselves into slavery so that they could live amongst them 
and preach to them in their setting. And as much like Paul was in Acts, as they were literally boarding the boat, saying goodbye to their friends and loved ones, as they were sailing away, they raised their hands into the air, and the story goes that they were heard saying, may the lamb who was slain now receive the reward for his suffering. When I thought about that and what you're going to do, I thought about the people in Mumbai. I thought about the girl afraid of every footstep that's coming to the door, wondering how she ended up there. I thought of the woman, the mother, who thought she was coming for a job and now finds herself in a place that she, a level of, of despair that she could never have imagined. And I thought of the man so lost in his depravity and of his sin that he's going to go exchange money to steal the virtue of another. Slaves in another way, but still slaves. And much like they were doing back then, and much like they're doing right now with you, God has chosen to raise up these strangers that they've never met from a place that they'll probably never go, and yet he has taken them and filled them with a love so abounding that they would say goodbye to everything that they know. And because of the cross, because of what our first greatest, because of what our greatest missionary did on the cross, you can now go forward and say, I am here to liberate you earthly, and I am here to liberate you eternally. That is my great hope when you leave here. That story after story, you will write back to us and you will say, yet again, God has freed someone in ways that we could have never imagined because of the suffering of his son that has made it possible. Their freedom, that is. So in closing, as you depart, just to reiterate, you know you're not alone. You have left, and you will, be, you will be leaving, and you will have left, but you are not forgotten by God or by us, your church. Jesus said when he was sending the disciples out, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. It is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher, and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them. Nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will be not known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are numbered, and fear not. Therefore, 
you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. And whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my Father in heaven. And in another place he said, what those before me have reiterated to you, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So God is with you and your church is with you. We say we're here for you and in spirit that we go with you, that we will pray for you and support you, we'll be thinking of you and serve you in any way that we can. And we'll be praying for your kids, for your marriage, for those you're trying to reach, for the city in which you're trying to shed the light, and for the defeat of the enemy and his strongholds in a place that so desperately needs God's love. We'll miss you, but we are grateful to God for the gain of others that he will work through you. In the scriptures, when God's people are being set apart for his work, there's a very simple process, which is they lay hands on them and they pray for them. Acts 13, when two apostles are being set apart for mission, their group gathers around them, they lay hands on them, and in doing so, they commission them and send them off for that work. So that's what we're going to do with Jim and Lena and their family. I'm going to invite them first to come and respond to you and share, and then I'm going to invite their GCM, their smaller community that they were a part of, to come We'll lay hands on them and together as a church pray for them. But they can come first and respond to you. Yeah, we're so undeserving of any of this, um, but we're just so thankful. <clears throat> I'm going to keep it brief. I'm having a little difficulty keeping my composure today. Um, so when I consider how quickly this last year has uh, gone and how it's been designed. I'm so grateful uh, to the King of Kings. Um, last summer we were in India and we thought this would be how we'd do it. We'd spend our summers in India helping. But the more I stayed and the more we were there, we realized we couldn't just leave like that. And I remember <clears throat> reading an email. I hadn't checked my email in a week and there were two emails from the same person, one on a Monday and the other one was on a Wednesday. Um, and the first one was to the church that she went to and she said, please pray for my, uh, my co-worker. She just got married, she's young and, and just a wonderful person, but she's um, just become sick and went to the hospital. And then on Wednesday, it was an email from the same person and said, uh, my friend has gone home to be with the Lord. And then I thought, wow, like the span of our, our lives are just two emails. One we're here and the next we're gone. And so what is it that we're spending our lives for? And so I, I talked to Lena and I said, I think we need, to, um, I we need to give our lives to this. So we came back and I had like these two difficult things to one to tell my parents and, and then to tell my boss, uh, Ron Ferner, who's here. Um, so I, I just muttered out to my folks and and my father said, if the Lord calls you, you guys go. My mother said, no one has called you, sit at home. Uh, <laughs> and so, but, but she, but they, they got it. And then the next difficult thing was telling Ron, because we had all these, like, I had so many dreams of how to, what to do at work and school and all these things. And, and I'm very bad at saying goodbye. I, I remember uh, in the first grade, we were moving from Long Island, from Queens to Long Island, and my folks kept saying, go tell your teacher that you're leaving. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell her, I'll tell her. 
And every day I looked at Ms. D'Amato and I said, tomorrow I'll tell her. Um, <laughs> and then it came, it was the day before we were leaving, and I said, I guess I gotta go tell her. So I, I went up, I said, Ms. D'Amato, I, I won't be in school tomorrow, um, or the day after, or, or any more days after that. <laughs> and she said, Thomason, what are you saying? And she said, I'm moving. And, and she was so floored, she said, why did you wait all this time? And I said, I just don't like to say goodbye. And so I thought I'd try the same approach with Ron. <laughs> and so every day I'd look at him, and I'm like, Lord, let him understand that I'm leaving. And he did, and then I said, Ron, let's have lunch. And then I, I thought I could sort of mention it. I said, oh, Ron, look, the need in India is so great. They are in need of people. It's needy, like we need, <laughs> we need to go. And, and Ron is someone I'm afraid of. Uh, and so are many students. I've seen him make mincemeat out of students. And so he looked at me and said, uh-huh, and then just changed the subject. I said, oh my God. And Lena's like, did you, did you tell him? I said, I, I sort of, I told him about the need. And so finally, like I mustered enough courage and I went into his office and I told him and, and, and he was just so kind in his response. And then from that moment, like we just, we just said, how is everything gonna work out? And the Lord has just been so gracious. Like if you read a Jay's blog, the way we were able to sell our home and then the way we were able to raise our support and the way you guys have been so generous to us. And, and it's just unbelievable to think now, like seven days from now, we'll be, we'll be heading out. Um, <clears throat> what has drawn us is not so much the horror of, of what happens in Mumbai, um, and it is so, it is so tragic, and, and you've heard the stories over and over again, um, but really what has drawn us is, is the beauty of redemption um, and the beauty of salvation, and to see these lives of, of, that have been so tormented and tortured when they are rescued, when Jesus changes the trajectory of their lives and says, I will give you a new life and a hope and I will give you life eternal, the joy that's restored is just unbelievable. It's unbelievable to see them worship the King of Kings and to see, my God, this is where you were and this is where you are now and you have such joy in your hearts and it can only point to this amazing and glorious King. And when we saw that, I remember it was five years ago, we were there on a Sunday service and we were just so over, overwhelmed by how much the gospel could come and restore and make new again that we were just compelled to follow this king in this journey. Um, so here we are going. Um, as for us, you know, I envision like from a heavenly perspective, <clears throat> the angels and the king of kings looking down at this important game and the angels say to the king Alpha and Omega, we are no one to even question you, but these two, like, they're not good. They're, they actually can't even swing a bat. They run in the opposite field when the ball comes. And I can see the king responding and saying, but I have engineered this amazing victory and I will get the glory for it. And they are not very good, but they want to play for me, so I'm gonna send them out. Um, so we're going with no, no even pretense that we are able of any of this. Um, and the last part is, is, is you guys, and I'm just gonna really keep it short, and so much I wanna say, but, um, but I really don't wanna break down. So, um, like, we love you guys so much, every one of you. Like, if I were to look into your faces, I would just start crying, so I won't. Um, but 
but you guys have played such a, such a critical and vital place in our heart. Some of you for a long season, um, some of you for such a short season, but it has just been so beautiful. Um, so, so thank you, thank you so very much. Um, and I know we'll see each other again, but if we don't, on the other side, we'll see each other, it's gonna be glorious. So God alone, may he receive all the glory, the honor, and the praise. All right, we'll invite their soul care group to come, and then we'll stand behind them, lay hands on them, and commission them for this work. Pray with us together. We pray now to the Father in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the help and power of the Holy Spirit, that you would take your son, daughter, and children and equip them for the work that you have called them to. We pray even now that you would stretch out your hand from heaven through our hands here on earth and strengthen them for this work, that you would extend grace upon grace, that you would fill them to the full measure of all the fullness of God, that you would grant them great peace we pray that you would not let them be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, they would make their requests known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, would guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We pray that you would help them to believe that our God is able to meet all their needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We pray that you would convince them deep in their soul that, as you told Peter, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left home or mother, or father, or country who will not be rewarded a hundred times more in this age and in the age to come. Convince them deep in their soul that you are with them always to the very end of the age. We pray that you would also fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit to live gospel-centered lives. Let the good news of Jesus Christ be their strength now and always, the good news that they are forgiven of all their sins and been called to your service, not because of their qualifications, but because of the merit of Jesus Christ extended to them through your great and glorious cross. Thank you also that there, that cross and that tomb is empty and they go in resurrection power. They do not go as cowards. They do not go cowering with some small message to tell. We pray that you would make them bold for the work that you have for them. They will need boldness to be there. And we pray that you would fill them with great boldness for this work. We pray against the enemy that is at work in Bombay, that is at work here, that is at work all around them. We pray that you would strengthen them. We pray that they would resist the devil and he would flee from them. We thank you that the Lord Jesus has disarmed the powers and principalities and laid his every attempt against them bare. We thank you that he who is in them is greater than he that is in the world. And every power and every weapon fashioned against them will not stand in the name of Jesus. Surround them with your own self. Cover them with your own blood that the enemy and all his demons, its works and effects, would have to flee because you are strong, strong and all around them. Guard their marriage, we pray. Guard their parenting, we pray. We pray that you would grant safety as they go out and as they come in. 
that you would be like a shadow at their right hand and keep watch over them and protect them. A thousand may fall at your right side, 10,000 at your left, but let no harm come upon them. We pray safety and protection and goodness for their sons. We pray that you would raise these sons in their home to be godly men who are fierce and courageous and bold, who are a joy for their parents and a strength to all those around them. Give them friends in this season, all of them as a family. Give them a community to belong to, a church to be a part of, where they can hear the gospel and be in community as they serve on mission. Go ahead of them and work all, bless all the workers of BTC and all its works, that you would bless it a hundredfold. And pray that you would be with us who stand here and lay our hands upon them even now and us as a church as we pray that your spirit would bring them to remembrance often, that we might uphold them in prayer. And we give you thanks for the mission that we are a part of there and here. And Jesus is great, and he is worth it, and he is enough. Hear our prayer and do more than we knew to ask or pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Of that with us, we come now to communion.